We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Not long ago, Puffy called President Obama. I reached out and, and you know, he had time. And I was like, where? And I was like, shit. Like, could you be there? I can't say the time. I can say the time because it's over. Can you be there at five? I was like, hell yeah, I could be there at five. When they got together, Puff asked him, what happened? We in this, you know, top secret situation, you know. And um, I was telling him I was mad because I ain't get, I, I ain't really get the memo on, on, that, on that going away party. That last, that last joint where it got real black in the White House. The one that Chappelle was talking about on SNL. Yeah, yeah. And so, he, and then he told me, like, we called your people. I was like, word. He was like, man, you missed a good one. Welcome to Toray Show. I'm Toray, and on the show, I'm going to talk to successful people about what they did right and see what we can learn from their journey. What attitudes propelled you? What are your superpowers? What's your internal self-talk sound like? I'm going to sit down with business stars, athletes, singers, doctors, rappers, actors, and more just to see what they know that could help you rise. Today's guest is my man Puff Daddy, a.k.a. Diddy, a.k.a. Brother Love. That's his new name. I'm calling him Puff because I've known him for over 20 years and he still likes that name and that's what he was when he became what he is to me. Puff is what the Energizer Bunny would be if he wasn't such a slacker. The guy's got energy to burn all day, every day. Back in the day on the wall at Bad Boy, it said, Sleeping is for losers. Decades later, he's still that relentless and that determined, but he wakes up a little bit later now. Puff's an unparalleled marketer. He knows how to sell. And he's a gifted motivator of people. He knows how to inspire. Over the years, many of his staff members have told me that he helped them be greater than they even thought they could be. I remember hearing about Puff through the music business grapevine before I actually met him. People talked about Puff. In the early 90s, he threw great parties, he was bold and brash, and he was driven like you'd never seen. At Uptown Records, as an A&R man, he made Mary J. Blige into a superstar by giving her a signature sound, that hip-hop soul, that he found on the streets in Harlem in mixtapes sold on 125th Street, where DJs blended hot R&B beats with hip-hop rhymes. Puff took that and turned it into a national phenomenon. Even then, he knew how to take a piece of culture and flip it. When he was fired from Uptown, it seemed like a public shaming putting the upstart in his place. But Puff went out, visualized his own label, Bad Boy, and got a music industry titan to give him millions to launch it. At Bad Boy, he built two lasting household names, The Notorious B.I.G. and Sean P. Diddy Combs. Now he's an icon and a near billionaire. They say he's got about 800 million and a mansion in Holmby Hills, California. And he's a father six times over. His number one revenue stream nowadays is Ciroc, then Sean John Close. And more than that, he's that modern creature, the cool, iconic businessman. He's making big money and having fun and making kids want to grow up to be the man behind the desk signing the checks. His brand, which flows through Bad Boy, Sean John, Ciroc, and Revolt, is about being fly, dressy, upscale, and hip. He represents a sort of hip-hop luxury that idolizes Frank Sinatra's Rat Pack and knows how to have fun. I've known Puff for a long time. We've had a lot of great interviews, but this one was special. In it, you'll hear his drive, his optimism, his energy, his business fearlessness. You'll also hear why he's never been married and what his wedding will look like if it ever happens. 
This is a special episode of Corey's show because it was a Times talk, part of a series of events by the New York Times where Times contributors conduct interviews in front of an audience. So Puff and I met in downtown Manhattan at the New School in a fresh and modern-looking auditorium where we sat on stage and talked in front of about 200 people. Please join me in giving a very warm welcome to Toure and Sean Diddy Combs. Thank welcome. You. Welcome. Welcome. You know, man, it seems like it was just yesterday I've known this man over 20 years. I remember sitting there talking to you about your first album, which you were going to call the greatest hits of Puff Daddy. Right. The first album was going to be the greatest hits. That's the audacity that you've been coming with since day one. But, you know, I want to keep it real for a second because, you know, I've known you for a long time and I haven't seen you in a minute. And when you see people you really know who you haven't seen, what's the first thing you always want to talk about? How's your kids? Right? That's, 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 that's your real wealth. And you got six beautiful kids. I want to give you a minute to brag on them. You got a football star at UCLA. You got a young rapper coming up. Tell us about your children. Well, hello, everybody. Good evening. <laughs> thank, thank you all for joining us with an evening with Diddy. Nice, smooth conversations with my brother, Torre. I'm showing Diddy Combs, ladies and gentlemen. And, um, nah. <laughs> but, yeah, my kids, that's, it's, it's incredible. Number one, that they're healthy. That's the, that's the thing you really care the most about. Yeah, my kids are healthy, and, and they, they are all really nice people. And, you know, when, when, you know, I was coming up and I started having kids at a young age, you know, I was on the road a lot. So I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my sons. And now um, I live with my sons. I spend every day with them. You know, they're under the wing. We're bonding. We're learning about each other, you know, even more and more now. So my relationship with my sons have been great because um, Justin's going to get in this industry. He just graduated UCLA. And... Um, you have Christian, who has a, a single that's coming out with Jeremiah, like in two weeks. Under the name King Combs. Under the name King Combs, yes. Yeah, he just skipped me all over <laughs> and just and went to King Combs. So that's what's going down. And then Quincy is on the, the hit show Stars. Um, and so he's doing very, very well. So they're really making me proud. And my three... My three girls, they just went to middle school, and they're, they're happy. And so, so God is really, really great. Thank you for asking. Wow, wow. That's what's up. That's what's up. Six kids. Unbelievable. Tell us about some of your parenting philosophies. You know what I mean? What, what values you try to impart, what punishments you might use at times when you need to, you know, yeah, use the I, stick. I mean, as far as, far as my kids, I'm, um, I'm a parent like my mother or my grandmother, so I'm a parent how I was raised. And so I, I was raised to really have um, self-respect, respect for my family name, um, to be competitive in school, the importance of an education, um, being a gentleman, being a man, evolving, growing. So you, I come from a rich heritage. We as black people, once we tap in, we come from a very, very rich heritage of that level of love and raising. And that's what I instill in my kids. I make sure that they just don't know their uh, African-American history, where they start off as slaves. I make sure that they know their whole history, the history that they didn't teach in schools, making sure that they know that they're kings and that they're queens. And um, that's, that's the biggest you know, message that I give to them, is to respect themselves. And if they respect themselves, they respect others. And I raise them, and I don't, I don't, I don't take anything else but that, you know, because that's how my mother raised me. Um, and so yeah, there's definitely consequences in the Combs household. <laughs> and, um, like what? Yeah, like yeah. What, like what did you do? When it, when it was coming up, I, I, you know, it was a couple of whoopings. Yeah, yeah. 
That's how I stayed out of trouble. You know, there was some punishments. It was, it was, you know, it was, it was real life raising of a child. I make no apologies for that. Shout out to my son Justin right there in the building. Where's Justin, stand up, Justin. <laughs> wow, wow. I remember going to Justin's. Wow, wow. That's what's up. So Forbes just came out with the hundred greatest business minds. You are one of them. They put you worth over $800 million, close to the billionaire club. Is that important to get, it, to get over from 800 to a billion? Does that matter? Without a doubt. <laughs> Without a doubt. Um, you know, that's one of the things that, that I think we've sometimes always shot away from is, is economic power. And, you know, I represent, you know, the first wave of black economic power. And we will see this continue to flourish, and we will continue. To, we'll, we'll see this start to be able to grow our communities, and we be able to um, help ourselves out. So, being on that list, um, it is important in the world of economics and getting money out here. So, it's something that I'm proud to be a part of, and and it's something that um, you know I take pride in changing the narrative. Because there's a bunch of lists that I could be on, but um, that's the list I'm on, and that's the list I'm going to continue to be on. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, you know, one of the great businessmen of your generation, I want to try to dig into how you did it and why you did it. And when I think about Puff, and you know, I know it's so long I'm stuck on Puff. Diddy is still new to me, so I'm going to stick with Puff. But, you know, I think about Drive. I think about, you know, that... You used to, on the walls of Bad Boy, you used to say, sleep is for losers, right? And I think you've, you've changed out of that, but still, you, we look at you on Snapchat and whatever, you wake up with this drive and this energy to create, innovate, to, you know, to, to make things happen for yourself and people around you. What are you exactly driven to do? Like, what are you trying to accomplish with this drive that propels you out of bed every morning? I'm really trying to inspire you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a, a platform of, of inspiration during a time where I feel inspiration is needed. Um, but I started out, you know, I, I just wanted to make some money, you know. Um, I woke up one day and um, there was like seven roaches on my face. And I was like, um, I got to do something about this. I don't like this feeling right here. And, you know, it, it started out as um, me wanting to take care of my family. And then, you know, then I wanted to make people dance. Then I wanted to show the world that, you know, we could be, you know, not just rappers or athletes, that there's, you know, other jobs for us in the, on the executive side of things. And, you know, as, as time has gone on, what motivates me now is to, to really, really inspire people to, to be a part of the change that, that is coming and, and that we're all going to be a part of. I mean, when, what do you want the world to think when they see you or when they think of Sean Combs, Diddy, Puffy, you know, whatever? What do you want them to think? What adjectives do you want them to attach to you? My dream? My dream is, like, for when people see me that they smile, you know? Um, I'm going to make you love me. It, nah, it's, it's like a natural thing. If I could give you anything, I would love to give you that joy, give you that smile, give you that feeling. I don't want to, I've had times where I've come into the room and like the whole room would get shook up or something, you know. And you could give off one energy, you could give off a different energy. But if I could give off that love and that joy and that, and that, and that feeling of belief, that, you know, that's my dream come true is I walk in the room and everybody, I can make everybody smile. I talked to a couple of friends of ours, people who work for you, with you, what have you, and two of the things they said that make you special as a businessman is that you are super fearless and you have vision. Uh, and on top of that, you make sure that the vision is executed. But talk about how to be super fearless, especially you know, in a context where you're, you're not in physical danger, you're not in economic danger. So what does super fearless mean at your level? Super fearless is, is, is really wanting true change. Um, I, I feel like I'm fearless because I, I have a fear. And, 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 that, and that fear is that things are not going to change and, you know, we're going to continue to go backwards. Um, 
you know, as a black man, I can't get to this point, have six kids and not care about my race, my people. And so when I look at, you know, I was watching the movie, um, I'm Not Your Negro. Anybody here saw that? Okay. James Baldwin. Yes. Raoul Peck. Yes. And nothing has really changed. And nothing has really changed. And, you know, that's what I fear. So I have to be fearless because I, I have to be a part of the change. And with, with that comes is, what that comes with is, 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 is really being a, taking some responsibility to, you know, to think, not outs, to think outside of yourself. I feel I've evolved in going from me to we. And when you have that type of responsibility, then, then you don't have no time for fear because you can really make a change, but if you're scared, you're not gonna change nothing. Mm -hmm. And so that's where my fearlessness comes from. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door, thanks to DoorDash. If you don't wanna do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. You're definitely a man of vision. You know, you have envisioned things several times in your career from the, the hip-hop soul sound, which came out of nowhere. You helped create that, um, you know, to all what's going on at Bad Boy, to the other things, the Sean John, the Ciroc, the water now. Talk about your vision. Do you need to, like sit by yourself and create or do ideas just hitting you all the time or how do you how do you do it uh i would say the process now is is, is i need to just like turn on some james brown and um do what i do um have me a little bit of ciroc <laughs> dance a little bit and just give me a big whiteboard and I just start just putting down all types of ideas and dreams and visions, the craziest things, the things that I, I, I'm almost hesitant on going to write. I just go and I write it. And, um, you know, when I get finished and I wake up in the morning with, you know, maybe a little hangover, <laughs> there's some pretty good ideas up on that wall. 
you know, and so that's a part of my creative process of just really being in tune to the culture, seeing my kids, like, you know, life experience, you know, I'm a real time visionary, you know, I, I, I move, I market, I dream, I create in real time, but I've gone from a, a dreamer to a realist and, and it's real out here. You, you, you are a, an incredible marketer. What is the key to getting to, when you create a product, be it a vodka, a jeans, or an album, whatever, what is the key to then making a lot of people want that thing? Shout out to all my entrepreneurs in the house. Any entrepreneurs in the house? Yeah. Um, when, I create, when I create that thing, it has to be uncut. You know, that's really when I've had I've had my best marketing wins is when it it, it had a, a, a story behind it, when it had some heart behind it. Um, and and it was it was it was authentic. It was really, really true. It wasn't anything that was like inspired by like, um, you know, just just a regular Madison Avenue type of ad agency. It's, you know, very, very, very disruptive. Yeah, has to be. Matter as something that matters to people. It has it has to be something that evokes some emotion, you know. It has to be something that people care about. It has to be something that they that they that they want. I ask a lot of people, what is your superpower? And to get from Mount Vernon to Homeby Hills and all that, you know, and sitting there wanting a pool to you know, I mean, having what you have. You must have some superpowers. So what do, you, what do you think? What do you think your superpowers are? I have one superpower, and that's my relationship with God, you know. So <laughs> when I'm more in tune with God, it gets crazy. You know what I'm saying? It just is so beautiful. There's nothing that I can't do. And, um, yeah. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast wherever you listen. Yeah. I mean, you said that in the movie. That was one of the dopest parts of the movie, uh, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Who saw that? Anybody see that? When, when I believe it was Lorianne Gibson was saying something, and you were like, yo, my life don't work like that. I can make anything happen. Uh, and you've proven that over and over. But the question is, how? How is it that you go through the world making anything happen. I'm ready to put the work in that it takes to make it happen. That's how I make it happen, you know. There, there's, you could make anything happen, but you have to make that choice. And that choice, sometimes people see the end result. They don't see everything that comes along with it. I'm ready for the ups, the downs, the peaks, the valleys. I'm ready for any type of terrain. You know, and um, yeah. I mean, I think there's something in the way that you lead people <laughs> and the way that you direct people and the way that you communicate your vision. And we see that in Can't Stop, Won't Stop. What is, what is the leadership style of that man? Um, it's like this. It's like, if you want to go work a nine to five, you know, and, and you don't want to go to a place where you could get crazy, and, and, and change the world, and you shouldn't probably be working at Combs Enterprises, but you have, you have that combination of professionalism and also that level of excellence, those are the type of people that I work with. So when you get a behind the scenes limp, this, this, is not, this is not no play play that we playing with, you know? But don't get it twisted, like this, this is the vibe of working with me. Check this out. So, <laughs> so, so check this out. That's my staff that's doing that. Shout out to my staff that's in here. Give yourselves a round of applause. And See Groovy Lou in the house. 
and my, my leadership style has evolved from, from fear to inspiration and motivation, but you're still going to get that tough love because at the end of the day, we got to come out with the win. And I don't do it by myself. I do it with my team right there. Thank you all for coming out. A long time ago, Andre Harrell, one of your mentors, now he's working with you at Revolt, um, he said, Puff will do whatever he has to do to win. If he has to be suave, if he has to yell, if he has to go in the room and close the door and get on his knees and beg, he will do whatever he's got to do to win. Is that you? Um, it depends on what I'm begging for. You know what I'm saying? No, for real. I'm not, I'm not really like the begging type. That's, but there's certain things in certain times, like for my children, I may get on my hands and knees and beg. But um, besides that, like, you know, I, I want to I wanna come out with a solution. I don't want to just be having problems. I want to close the deal. I want to get to the change. I want to get to the money. I want to get to the, let's get to, to, to being able to take care of ourselves, you know. And I have a certain type of knack um, of doing business where I know how to get the deal done because I'm going for an end result. And it's not just monetary. It's, it's for us to succeed in what we're doing. But sometimes within business, I mean, especially being black can be, you know, a barrier to entry, a you know, barrier to moving forward. And you said, I wasn't allowing them to treat me like a black man. And how do you do that? You have to be able to walk away. You know, there's a lot of cats out here that get a taste of the money. And when it comes time to doing that deal and really being in that ruthless negotiation, they really can't stomach walking away. I'm really, really crazy. I will walk away. We could be at 43 million. If I want 45 and I'm just deserving of that and that is the, the rate, you're going to give me 45 million. And I, and I want to explain to you why. Because I set the market value for my people. You got to understand that. I set the, when, I, when I went into BMG and Arison, set the price at $46 million, that changed the whole game. Not, in civil, not since civil rights. The only thing that has really changed for us in civil rights was hip-hop. Hip-hop has been our only hope, you know, and so when I'm out there and I'm in the business, I'm doing it for the culture, I'm, I'm just aware that whatever is the price that I set, it doesn't even affect me no more after I set it. It affects everybody that's coming after me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Take me into your day a little bit. What, do, what, do you, what time do you usually wake up? What do you do in the morning? How do, you, how do you win the morning? How do you launch yourself into your day properly? Um, well, for like two and a half years, I, I, I was going through like a lot of um, different like ailments, like pain and stuff like that. Like God has a way of slowing you down when you need to just slow down. And my knee was messed up. I had an operation in my shoulder. And then so, you know, during that time, I was just burnt out. You know, I, I did all this stuff. I didn't really take care of myself. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really thinking performance. I was talking performance, and I was, you know, I was young, and I, but I wasn't really looking at the long game of it all. And the way you treat your body and the way you treat your, your, your the way you eat and the way you take care of yourself, um, you know, is something that I wasn't doing. So I really didn't have a time to go to sleep or, or things like that. I wasn't really conscious of that. I was just in the grind. And I'm not knocking anybody that's when you're in the grind. You got to do what you got to do. Um, but now, now that's, that's definitely changed a little bit. And this is what I try to do. I try to um, get up and get into the gym by 10. Um, and Get up when? Like 9 or 8? Like 2 before 10. <laughs> you get up like 10? 10 a.m., but I'm up till like 3 in the morning. You right. got to let me get started. Right, right. <laughs> I need, I've been working all these years. They got to get up and start before me so I can catch me an extra hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got the staff for. <laughs> but I get up and then, um, you know, I started meditating um, and 
just really taking the time to give gratitude and pray. And that really, really, really changed my life, you know. And Meditation. I, and, I, and I just started that. This, this like, you know, I'm maybe like three months in. And I'm telling you, anytime, if anybody in here, I know y'all heard it works. It's nothing even, it's nothing mystical about it. You taking time to, it is mystical, though. It does get really magical, you know. So the bottom line, y'all should try some meditation. I do the meditation. And then I, I, I get the calls and um, I, I, just, I just run this black enterprise with just a bunch of energy and, and, and I just keep on going and going and going to like maybe one in the morning and then I, I chill out. Tell us a little bit about your meditation practice. Is it, is it every day you like, you know, like close your eyes, like yeah. rustle on the floor yeah. and like yeah. with the mantra and all that? No, I go, I go to Google and I put in 10-minute morning meditation. <laughs> and then I press play and I just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, it, I took that time for myself, you know. And um, life is a crazy contradiction because then on one side I, was, I beat myself up real hard and then the other side... You know, I kind of saw, you know, um, things deeper. And it's just a part of growing up. And if you could put it together quicker and sooner, you could have more fun in life because you'll, you'll, you'll be able to have a little bit more control. You alluded a little bit there to the voice inside you. And I'm curious, if, if, if we could hear the voice inside you, is the voice yelling at you like, you know, like, like you can do it and positive? Or is it like, you ain't shit, you ain't done enough and pushing you to go further, higher? Like, what is, what is the voice saying to you? You the baddest motherfucker that he ever built. You a king, king. Put it on him, king. Get him, pop. Get him. Fuck him up. Yeah, yeah. Win for the people. It's for the kids. Let's do it. Black excellence. Let's go. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, so I sound just how I sound yelling on the record, but just, <laughs> just in my head all the time. You, you talk a lot about black excellence. What is black excellence and how is it different than white excellence or Asian excellence or anybody else? Um, yeah, there, there is a difference. There's a difference. It's a, um, the difference is, is that we, we haven't really forcefully tapped into our excellence. You know, sometimes you could possess magic or superpowers and you're afraid of them. You're afraid to tap into them. I remember Superman, he ain't really want to fly. He was scared, you know, and we, 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 we have this magic about us that, that we were able to be brought over here to be treated the way we've been treated and we still get up with love in our hearts now. Like shit could be crazy. Pain is pain. We get up with love in, love in our hearts, and we still have to deal with that pressure, you know? Like, it's fucked up. You hear it all the time. It sounds cliche, but yeah, you black, you wake up, damn, you know some fucked up shit can happen to me today. It don't, no matter who you are, you know? And that's a hard way to live, live in fear, you know, and, 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 and to live like that. And um, what was the question? <laughs> The difference between black excellence and white oh, excellence. Oh, yeah. So, so it's really in, in black excellence when we tap into our magic. So when you see those things, when you see Oprah and she's doing her thing, or you see all these, all these kids online and they're crafting their art as comedians, or you watch Dave Chappelle, or you're looking at um, our, our brilliant minds right now that are, are going and being engineers and scientists and doctors, and it's really changing the narrative, you know, because if you just constantly get negativity, negativity, this is the image about you. You were born a slave. You was this. This is the way it looks. You know, and then we get a couple of things like the Cosby Show, Oprah, you know, Puff Bad Boy, a couple of wins and things like that. But, you know, we got to promote our greatness because the things that we have that we have to deal with get so promoted, overly promoted and marketed to us. I have to be a part of the change. I got to be a part of the narrative. I'm, enter I'm entering the psychological warfare to hit y'all with different images to reset your mind so we can elevate. Yeah. 
What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Back into the structure of your mind, or at least how you use your mind, because you usually have five to ten projects going on at once. You're in about five industries right now and different things going on and within each of those industries. What systems do you have in place for yourself just to keep everything straight with the different goals and the different timetables and make sure, okay, I'm getting, you know, the Revolt Conference done and I'm getting the next flavor of Ciroc ready and the ad for Sean John is on, you know, all the different things. How do you keep all of it straight? I have a a great team of people around me. And, you know, I I got to a point as a businessman and a person where I I hit my, my ceiling you know, I was I was so protect, pro, so protective and so controlling of everything, and I still am a little tiny bit. But I know I know I've improved a lot, though. Has I, he staff? Has he improved on that? Yes or no? They work for him. Thank you, James. I see. It wasn't like a standing ovation. It wasn't like a ruckus. Yeah, yeah. It was very like. It was, yeah. It wasn't. He, what, he approved. We'll deal with that tomorrow at four p.m. emergency you. staff meeting. <laughs> it's the staff. Look. You know, you used to be making all your money from music, right? Now it's Ciroc, and then Sean John, the water is helping, the TV revolt is helping. But at what point did you, because in 2000, the the revenue of the record business started to plummet, and it plummets throughout the double O's. It just goes straight down. What was the moment that you said, oh, I can't just be in this music thing anymore because this is not producing the returns that it used to I need to diversify. Like, what, what was the thing that told you, I need to get other things? Um, it, it wasn't out of fear. It was more out of opportunity. You know, it was, it was really looking at, um, you know, the, 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 the hip-hop, the potential of the hip-hop economic system and the potential of, of um, you know, the communities. I'm from people of color, no matter what color, you know, and, you know, mostly hip-hop. You know, really, 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 really looking at that opportunity, you know, and what's the, what's the question again? <laughs> what was the moment that you said, yeah, I'm oh, sorry, this, this, this I got a little business, nervous, yeah. This I got, business, yeah, I got yeah. you. Yeah, um, yeah it, it was just looking at the, the opportunity. It was, it was so, it was so much um, that wasn't being done. You know, it was so many things that we could have done as entrepreneurs that it weren't being done. When I was looking at Barry Gordy and he had mahogany, I was like, you know, why didn't he, you know, start a clothing line? Okay, why didn't he get a fragrance for mahogany? When I was looking at the, you know, um, Motown Review, I was just like, oh, why didn't we have a television show or our own network? And so, and so, so, and so that was the thing that, that I really saw. What is an industry that you want to get in that you're not currently in? I want to invent something. Um, that's really, really simple, that um, really helps out a lot of people, but makes a whole lot of money. 
And I'm talking about like a couple of trillion dollars, like something that's just crazy, like the light bulb or something like that. That's, I want to get in, I want to be an inventor. That's my new thing. You want to be an inventor? You want to invent like a product, like a mass-produced product? I want to invent a boat. I want to invent the toilet seat. Something that we, we know that is crazy, crazy. That, that, a thing that everybody needs. The light bulb. <laughs> well, whatever the new version that, that is, that's what I want to invent. See, it, it, I mean, I see you, you're a showman. I mean, right, you talk about P.T. Barnum, right? I would think, like, Puff's going to try to create his new hip-hop Disney world, right? So everyone can come see, you know, the fireworks that he's going to put on there. Um, I don't really want to, I don't want to pimp out the culture, you know, I want to really, <laughs> you know, the, one of your questions that I didn't, I didn't quite answer was, you know, how do I keep it all together? And one of the things is in order for me to grow as a businessman and grow as a person, it's going to be the people that I have around me. So I, I used to be out there really just looking for entertainment talent, you know, now I'm out there looking for, you know, executive talent talent that, that, that's from my communities, not from my communities, but are like-minded and together, you know, we could do great things. And so the only way I can keep it together, I have to start trusting other people. I have to start empowering other people. I can't be the only rich guy on the list. I can't be the only guy on the block. I, have to, I, want, I need to be able to empower the next generations of me because that's the legacy, you know, that I want to leave behind. But I can't do that without talented, new, um, creative minds and brilliant minds. And that's what I'm out here on the search for, you know, and, and that's how I didn't answer that. But that's one of the ways I was able to keep everything together is my team of people. But going to that next level, you know, I need, I need to make sure that my recruitment and that I'm really working with the best if I want to be the best. All right. So let's nurture those people right now. Forbes says you are one of the hundred greatest business minds in America today. Um, what business advice do you have for that next generation of executive that's coming up? What do they need to know? What do they need to be thinking about? I think it's um, the biggest thing that I can say is, is, is just the reality going back to what I said, you know, before was, was, you know, it's a, you could be a dreamer, but it's important that you're, you're a realist and that you, you understand what it's going to really, really take to be great and to be successful at whatever you're doing. And if, if you're able to digest that reality and, and really focus on doing what it takes, um, you, you have high, high possibilities and chances for success. And, but if you're not giving something your all, believe me, you're not, you're not going to be able to fuck with a cat like me or fuck with somebody or, or Oprah you know, or, or, or any of the guys that were, you know, on that, on, on that list of great minds. And the thing is, is that there's, there's, there's so many of me in my communities, and I, I want them to know that they can do it, but they have to deal with the reality, the real hard fact reality of what it's going to take to really, really have us build our own economic system so we can take care of ourselves. When you say, like, put yourself all into it, you mean the clock, you mean your mind, you mean your heart, but, like, what else do they not realize? No, I mean, you, I mean, you can have fun. You can could, you could have fun and enjoy your life. I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm just talking about p people nowadays have, have high expectations for where they want their lives. You know, um, we have definitely um, bred dreamers, people that want to really, you know, make a difference. And, and that's a different way of life than it was, you know, back in the 70s when people were just happy to make ends meet and were all right. With this whole generation wants to be somebody. This whole generation wants to be great. You know, they, they want to make some noise. They want to do something. And so, you know, um, but, but with that, it, it, it comes the responsibility of doing the work. Your number one revenue stream now is vodka, Ciroc. Yes. What is the key to succeeding in the vodka business? I would say the product, you know, the, the, um, the key for me in any of my, my businesses is the product, whether it's the content that I make on, on, on television um, or in films or from the vodka to the, to the water. This water tastes, tastes really, really great. Aqua hydrate, you guys should get it. You know, to the music, you know, because you could be P.T. Barnum, 
But if you don't have no lions and tigers and bears and the, you know, and the midgets coming out the car, I'm trying to be politically correct. I'm just telling y'all the way the circus is. Just the circus. <laughs> I wasn't saying. But, but um, yeah. You know, no, y'all don't, y'all, I don't know if y'all know what's really going on. And let me explain something to y'all. Like, I, I get real, real passionate, and I could sit up here and talk for hours. And so my man Groovy Lou was teaching me to say, say less. So after I feel I made my points, I, I stop myself and I say, yeah. <laughs> say less. <laughs> I'm just learning, people. I'm a work in progress. Y'all watching it as it's going on, real time. You went through an extraordinary experience you know, uh, taking your man big from the streets of Brooklyn up to the heights and then having to deal with, you know, him passing. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people out here are dealing with difficult deaths in their lives. What do you say to folks who are like, yo, I'm, I'm depressed because, you know, my mom, my man, whoever, my husband, whatever died. You, you, you know, you never leave that person. They're always with you. But you, you come out on the, you have come out on the other side. So how do you deal with that, pick yourself up, and, and keep going? It's something that's extremely painful, and I, I can't really tell anybody how to deal with it because there's different types of love and bonds and connections. There's some bonds and love that, that nobody can explain you into, um, into not being depressed. But there's a difference. If you think about that person, what they want you to live a, a, a tortured life like that and um, this is God's world and we can't torture ourselves and it's something that we have to go through and hopefully through that pain we appreciate life more um, but I'm not the best one to give advice in that because you know I dealt with a lot of different things and went through a lot of levels of depression um, it's something that through your faith we all none, none of us are, are immune to it we all have to go through it it's a part of life um, and you have to hold on and, 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 you know, and keep, keep talking to God and he'll talk you through it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You talk a lot about love there. I want to talk about romantic love. You know, you've had a lot of amazing women in your life, but you've never been married. And you're a very serious family guy. From the beginning, you were shouting out your mom. You know, you know, you, when I remember you started blowing up. Justin's was the restaurant where everyone was hanging out. So family's always been really close to you, but you never pulled the trigger and got married. Why? Because I wasn't ready, you know. And I don't think that when you, and, and it's not with the, the person that, you know, I'm in a relationship with. It's me being honest with myself is if I'm ready and I'm not going to I'm not going to do that to somebody. I'm not going to get into a um, a marriage if I know in my heart that that at this point I'm not ready. You know, I, I spend a lot of my life, you know, working and focusing on work. I'm, I'm just getting, you know, to the time now where I can focus on having my heart open, you know, more for love. Anybody that dealt with me before, they were dealing with my job and dealing with the, you know, you know, me really being crazy about my dream. And, you know, it just takes everybody a longer period of time, but everybody's different, you know. Um, I rather just, I rather know I have somebody's back and I love them and, and I love them forever than to um, have, have my relationship with them be defined on, you know, on that because other people did it, you know? And, and, and for me, I have to live my truth. And I have my fairy tale wedding dream too. I think my wedding's gonna be off the chain. Uh, it's gonna be at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Just, uh, you know, they're gonna shut down the streets like they did for Princess Diana when I was growing up. My queen is gonna come out. They're gonna have the rose petals coming from the, down the thing. And we're gonna, we're gonna Studio 54. And what? And and we reopening that that night for the reception. <laughs> so I, I have, you know. And when you get married, what are you going to wear? I, I, didn't, I didn't see that much clarity in the dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be the first thing you, you vision out. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. What do you want that you don't currently have that you can't just currently go out and get? 
you know, I want peace, you know. I want, I want peace. But, you know, I, I also want peace for my people, you know. I definitely, I definitely want, like, a day where, where we could take a deep breath, like, and chill for a second, you know. Word. Everybody deserve a little exhale. God damn. Shit is crazy out here. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. It's a stressful time. Every time I see an alert come in from the New York Times, I'm like, did the world get destroyed? I'm worried. But Puff's energy, his motivation, his way of creating, his way of thinking about business is so inspirational. I hope you develop the fearlessness to walk away from a big deal if it's not every penny you deserve. Me? I'm not there yet, but I'm still growing. I'm sure you got a lot out of this conversation because I know I did. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Puff for the time. If you want to talk to me more about this show or anything else, I'm on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Chris Colbert with help from Shelby Royston in association with Cadence 13 Studios. We're beaming to you from the amazing borough of Brooklyn, the baddest place in the world. We'll be back next week with more knowledge from successful folks because the man ain't shut us down yet. Join us next week when Hollywood director Reggie Hudlin takes us inside Hollywood and tells us how to get a movie made, how to work with Quentin Tarantino, and why sometimes it's good to be ignorant. There's a reason why the Wright brothers, who had a bicycle shop, figured out how to make a plane, right? Because the scientists said flight's impossible. The guys in the bicycle shop who said, nah, I think you can make a plane. So the power of ignorance cannot be underestimated. Mm. If you talk to most successful people, you say, well, how'd you do that? They go, man, if I knew how hard it was, I would have never tried it. So, you know, you just have to go for it. The How to Crush It in Hollywood episode of Torre Show premieres on Wednesday. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.